Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's really, really haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, the podcast. Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's really, really haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, the podcast. Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's really, really haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, the podcast. Welcome to Hollywood's haunted, the podcast. Um, this is our first one, so be extremely detailed in how much you hate us in your comments. Um, also, I'm Patrick Bean, and with us is Jameson. Hi there. Uh, why am I spacing on your last name, Jameson? Carboneau. Carboneau. Car- Carboneau. Carboneau. French Canadian. Damn. I wanted to say Carbono, like representing, bro, like the magician. <laughs> I was just getting <laughs> thought you were gonna perform for me. I guess. <laughs> Most people um, go with the hockey player, but I'll take it. <laughs> on my phone, it says Jameson Hard Rock every time it rings. Um, but yeah, Jameson is uh, one of our best tour guides, uh, next to Melinda, Drew, Ruth, and Teresa, and Tia, and myself. I'm just joking, Jameson. You're amazing. He's amazing. I he's, try. He's bowing right now. For, for <laughs> you can't <laughs> see people it. listening right now. Um, but yes, this is our first podcast. Uh, right now, we're kind of on a hiatus. Uh, don't know when you'll be listening to this, but we're on like day something something of quarantine, and then like day something something of protest and unrest. Um, and soon we'll be on day something something of the fires that are going through Los Angeles. <laughs> it's coming, people. <laughs> like, definitely. Did you see that fire on the 405 today? I did, apparently caused by some fireworks. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? That's, oh, that's what oh, Jesus Shenanigans. Oh, God, man. There's going to be so much fire this year. Um, but yeah, so um, today we're going to discuss um, the Hollywood sign and Peg Entwistle. Um... If you don't know the story, well, then buckle up. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to give you a little history on it first. Um, so before the sign, I mean, it was fucking nothing. Like, Hollywood was just empty, desert. You know, I mean, it it was like a western frontier, at, you know, like right before. We're, we're talking like late 1800s, you know, like right before it you know, becomes a town or whatever. Hmm. So it's just farms, cowboys... Um, and of course, orange groves. We gotta have orange groves Absolutely. Later, later on. That was like right after cowboys. The cowboys died, and then <laughs> orange trees grew. <laughs> um, but it was uh, even noted. Um, also, d- before I start, uh, most of this information is from HollywoodSign.org. Um, so if you guys want to look that up, there's actually some really cool pictures and shit on there. Um, but it was actually noted, uh, by a few people that any land north of sunset was considered completely useless except for grazing, which kind of makes sense why it was, uh, developed later on was, it was probably fucking cheap at that time. So it was like making Hollywood into Hollywood was probably like, oh, okay, no one's going to use this. Sure. This is, Large <laughs> this is terrible of land. land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Paying a lot, not a lot of money for a large quantity of land. You, you know, yeah, it's in it kind of it, it. definitely made sense. Um, I mean, especially as you go go on through Hollywood history, 
Like there was, um, like everybody was broke and all these studios were, you know, like, I mean, the fact of movies themselves are, you know, are literally sets, you know, held up by fucking two by fours. Like that's what Hollywood kind of was, like was a set, like people had invested, you know, million, not millions, but millions today, you know, at that, that with like the hype of, Hey, hopefully we make more movies and everybody thinks this is. I don't know. It was they created a tourist trap way back when, even. Sure. It was a trap. That's actually why the Oscars were uh, invented to make money. The, right. Uh, yeah. Guy who put it all together realized people wanted to have awards for things and they would pay good money for it. So the more awards he gave away, the more money he would get to make more movies. So that's right. It basically, yeah. just kind of came up. It, it was almost a sham just to get money. People were so invested in their egos that they were willing to pay money for these giant award ceremonies and. He could get the money to make his movies. Um, that's that's really interesting, actually. That's a trip. Um, so there's several different um, origin stories for how the term, how, how Hollywood became named. Um, one, the, a popular one is Dieta Wilcox, who is the wife of the Wilcox family, um, mm-hmm. who is um, founder of the Wilcox family and uh, the Whitleys basically founded Hollywood. Um, but um, it was it was basically one of the stories was that she met a woman on a train who was referring to her Florida summer home as Hollywood and the woman's name was Holly. I've also heard um, that um, she lived in Holly Canyon. Um, I don't I don't know if somebody was just writing a joke and needed a third, you know, or something, you know what I mean? Like, also this. Um, but then there was also the other one, which was in, um, uh, I cannot remember his name, the Wilcox. Uh, or no, sorry, H.J. Whitley was the one that founded, uh, so that's what I'm talking about, H.J. Whitley. He was basically the founder of Hollywood. He had, he had founded uh, 190-something towns before Hollywood. Wow. I mean, he's a very, very wealthy dude. Um, But supposedly Hollywood was his 200th town that he created or brought together or whatever. Interesting. But in one of his memoirs uh, is stated that he was sitting, uh, him and his wife were sitting on some valley looking over at, you know, what was Hollywood or what was going to be Hollywood. You know, he had just purchased the property and he said in his memoirs and just so you know this is just something i read um this is not in any way my <laughs> my feelings disclaimer anything. People. disclaimer yes something <laughs> might be said that it will be interpreted as racist um but he basically said he saw this uh Chinese man with a, a little rickshaw mm-hmm. and he was uh, taking wood out uh, pa- down the path to another town and he said that he nodded at the man and the man said Hollywood so oh. apparently Hollywood came from a horrible racist interpretation of oh. the word Hollywood um, that one's not a popular <laughs> one, uh, but I did find it, so I had, I definitely had to mention that. All right. Um, interesting. So I guess we're at, uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1907. Uh, Nestor Films is actually the first film production company in all of Hollywood. And they produced uh, three films, uh, one a Western, 
one an eastern um and that, yeah that's, an eastern that's interesting where, that's where the hauling wood come comes in i'm sure um and then a comedy and it would all three of those films costed twelve hundred dollars which i'm sure back then combined you know yeah combined, oh, okay. yeah which i'm sure back then was still like you know uh, we're chunk of change right definitely there. not mathematicians but <laughs> oh my god dude I, I literally just went like this to my notebook <laughs> i just tried to scroll <laughs> dude, i just tried to fucking scroll oh this, my god this why is this not oh my god no, hold on guys we have some technical difficulties in my <laughs> paper notebook oh my god that's hilarious it's a great thing we did not smoke um so we'll fast forward a little bit again to 1912 um, everyone realized that Hollywood was the perfect climate and landscape, uh, to film, film a movie. I mean, you can, you can go and get snow an hour away, you know, not right now, but you know, it, back then definitely. Um, or you could go to the beach an hour away, like literally living, I mean, we all know California's the Sure. Place. Very versatile. Um, yeah. Very versatile. And then, then the temperature is great because back then they were filming most of the stuff outdoors. Uh, even if it was an indoor scene, they would just put up the set, you know, and you would just not see the outdoors, you know. So most of it was actually filmed during the day. Interesting. Um, so when this started in 1912, uh, every, basically everyone wanted in. And so 15 movie studios immediately just popped up. Um, a lot of people say, um, this is also a popular thing with the Universal Studios, they started out um, because they were basically trying to do a studio in new york um but thomas edison was a huge dick um kind of i've heard um, that before i don't know if we're gonna be cursing on this but i can believe it out as you say too late for that dick fuck. <laughs> um but yeah so uh thomas edison was basically suing people that were using uh kinetoscope technology or something similar okay um kinetoscope was what he created which was kind of like the first camera right camera that you could eventually motion picture see. camera motion picture camera exactly got it um and he won most of these cases because he's thomas edison he had tons of money and stuff and of course lots of backing at that point too um but because of that most people were just like we're gonna get to the other side of the country you know and we're gonna try and do it in la because he was in new york at that time i see so a lot of films are being filmed in new york at this time and they're he's they're all being picked we're, off by one by one by i him. mean there was mostly i mean it was mostly theater and stuff you know but because he had created the technology out there and you know people knew about it and mm -hmm. were starting to use the stuff Interesting. um uh, i can't remember who it was from universal but that was uh, yeah definitely an origin story for them as well um, so a lot of studios. So basically, he out. packed up and moved west, so he couldn't get sued by Thomas Edison. Basically, yeah, way. yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you could get sued still, but sure. back then it was it took a know, long time, a lot, a lot harder. Yeah. Um, so, do, 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 1915, uh, the movie industry is going crazy. It's buzzing, uh, but it's a cutthroat for studios um, because um, they they were just so new to it. Um, but it was great for the actors because there was just tons of people making movies, you know. And I mean, that's, I mean, great for the actors. I say that living now, you know, looking back on it. But there's also a lot of stories of actors working like 17-hour days back in the day and then doing like eight movies in a day or something like that. You know, that's an exaggeration, but they definitely were way overworked back in the day, mm. <laughs> mostly because there wasn't unions and all that other stuff, and people were just high off the fact that we could make movies, you know? It's a new format. Right, yeah, Exciting exactly. format. Yeah. 
As the story goes, uh, I believe the first, one of the first movies was a, was a train or something like that. And people, right, yeah, exactly. People, people freaked, freaked out, when out that the train was coming at them, yeah. So we'll go five years forward to the 1920s. The Owens Valley Aqueduct System. Um, they're, you know, trying to get uh, water for the city, for Hollywood. So they had to, you know, take it from the Colorado River and stuff like that. But of course, this angered a lot of farmers um and that's why you don't see tons of orange groves today you know because you know it didn't really work out in that in that fashion that's all um, mulholland correct right yeah exactly building his water aqueducts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. chinatown China, yeah <laughs> there you go um so and also that massive dam break that happened and killed a lot of people that was one of the largest yeah ma natural man-made disasters that killed a lot of people and that's not a popular one. We should do that. We should do that. That was an interesting time too. Middle of the night, the dam bursts and wipes that. out the whole valley. Right. Killed like seven hundred people, I think. We should do one about that. That's a very interesting that's one too. It's gonna be episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a year. Um, so once the aqueduct system came in, there would you know, there was fucking water, you know, so Hollywood literally became like an oasis, um, in the sense mostly because uh celebrities were finally becoming or not i mean yeah the celebrity itself was becoming a thing you know sure and they were being well well overpaid and these celebrities were creating palaces um such as the garden court the chateau elise and the garden of Allah villas Ooh. i know i just i just, it's not even that you know <laughs> not cool but it was like oh it just it sounds cool <laughs> now I want to stay there. You know it's like some shitty apartment too now. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like all of the apartments in Hollywood had like super nice names. And then you get in there and like, this has never been remodeled since the 20s. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like cool, you know? Like I, I, I live in some place from the 20s, but damn, I would love a sink. That's from now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, there's definitely grime here from like Sinatra. <laughs> Um, so, dun, dun, dun. finally, we get to the sign. 1923, the sign was born. Uh, it was actually created by Harry Chandler, who was, uh, 21,000, uh, acre of real estate development. Um, and the, uh, billboard was a marquee at the time. It was, uh, it was, uh, it would light up. Um, that was the original sign was, uh, and it was 13 letters, if you spell it correct. Otherwise, it's like 19. <laughs> um, but that was because it was Hollywood Land. Um, oh, okay. All yeah. right. As you were saying. Yeah. Um, so you were saying it read Hollywood Land when it originally was erected. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and it lit up. I probably should say that. Yeah. Hollywood <laughs> Land. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, originally lit up, it would say Hollywood Land, Hollywood Land, Hollywood Land, and they would go through that. Cycle. So it, was, it blinked twice fully? Apparently, And yeah. then it cycled yeah, that's, through again? That's what it said, yeah, on the Hollywood Did you get a count of how many light bulbs was on there? Um, yes, uh, 4,000 20-watt light bulbs. That's a lot of light bulbs. Which is funny, because 20 watts is really nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? I think this is like 60 or 80. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you think about it, they had to put 4,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's like... It's a lot of batteries. That's like 500 light bulbs today, you know? like that's Seriously. Like, I don't know why I'm but like to see something up on the snuffing at a light bulb. <laughs> Those stupid idiots with their <laughs> carefully don't get sued by uh, Edison. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Take offense to that joke. <laughs> 
So each letter was 30 feet wide. Uh, and then we talked about this before. Uh, each each letter was 43 feet tall. 43 feet tall. Okay. And that was at the original sign. Because uh, uh, later on we'll talk about that it was actually changed and then turned into um, just um, Hollywood. But it was actually remodeled a few different times. But yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Um, and it sits atop of Mount Lee, which is uh, by... Uh, it was named, well, not named, uh, uh, Don Lee actually owned it. So he actually was the first man who had exclusive rights to sell Cadillacs in California Interesting. in the 1920s. And he owned the mountain? He yeah. Owned, and, he, yeah. and he named it after himself. I That's I very... Mean, he was definitely a charitable guy. <laughs> you know? He didn't, he was humble, for sure. Mount, hum very humble. Mount humble was taken. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll go with my second. That's in Pasadena. Choice. You can't go. You can't get Mount Humboldt. That's Pasadena there. Mount Lee. All right, it works. That's <laughs> sort of late Mount Lee or Mount Reflect Lee. my face. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he had the exclusive rights to sell Cadillacs in California in the twenties, which I didn't even know was a thing. Cadillacs, know? yeah, that's an old old brand. No, but I didn't know that was a thing. You could have exclusive rights to oh, sell. You, had you know to what I mean? Like, the... Is that the same thing as like when? You know, Carl Malone buys a Toyota de dealership or something like. Maybe is that because he has rights now to sell? Yeah, I, you have I, to. I don't know. This podcast is not about rights for Cadillacs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he also bought KHJ Radio. KHJ, um, okay. Very, you know, not rundown radio. It wasn't like uh, UHF or something. <laughs> I'm sure it was a reputable <laughs> radio station. Um, but in 1930, he expanded for TV transmission and receiving technology, uh, which was very, most people didn't give a fuck about it, you know, because it didn't seem like a realistic thing, you know, transmitting yeah. video through the air, you know, if you think about it, especially in the 30s. Is that where all those uh, antennas and stuff came from at the top of Mount yes, Lee? Yes, yes, exactly. Right, so that was the yeah, that's, um, first broadcasting spots, uh, huh? w 6 X A O the tinsel. The tinsel. The tinsel. You're listening to the tinsel. You know what? I think that was mine. No, I don't think that's over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so December. Da, 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 da. The tinsel. It's <laughs> a good call name for a Hollywood station. Right. <laughs> that was Engelbert Hubbardick. You're listening to the tinsel. Um. So yeah, and uh, he did his uh, December 1931. He start. It started uh, six years before NBC. Oh. Um, so it was definitely uh, original. And this was in Gardena. Uh, this was one of the first studios that he had set up. It was the first soap opera. I was going to say, is this a, bre a television broadcasting yes, station? Yes. Okay. Um, Not radio. The, fir the first soap opera was uh, called Vine Street. Oh, um, well, there you go. Right, yeah. It was like way better than Melrose Place could have ever been. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. And dun, dun, dun. what uh, do you know why they call them soap operas? No, most of the time that they were saying that a lot of their uh, 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 people that uh, were supporting them, paying money to, for commercials, were soap commercials. So a lot of times you had soap products being advertised on these programs um, because you know it was mostly for women. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so like, I used to know. watch soap opera like Days of Our Lives with my you know my mom and shit sure. when I was younger. Yeah, like every it was like soap or detergent or again you know, the woman soap in, in something. Think you think about it, nineteen thirties, forties. You have your housewives, and so they're the you're having all this advertising that's directed towards women, 
And so soap, cleaning products, things that you can do to use around the house to make sure your husband is happy and doesn't beat you up. You know, That's crazy. so soap operas is kind of the nickname that was given to him because there's so no much idea. advertising from that. Yeah. What a trip. So there you go. That's what this whole podcast is about. <laughs> you know, finding out things we didn't know. <laughs> And that's the end. Like, I didn't know I had gonorrhea until today. Nice. There you go. Damn. You know? Fun fact. We're not sharing a joint thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> we'll have to edit that out later. Just yeah. just the sharing joint. Gonorrhea stays. <laughs> the gonorrhea, the gonorrhea stays. Uh, so 1938, fast forward a little bit forward. Um, I'll stop after this, and then we can talk about Pega and Whistle. Um, but yeah, 1938, Thomas Lee, which was um, Don Lee's son, he begins construction on the tallest transmitter tower in the world, um, and that's that was on top of Mount Lee. Okay. And as well as the tower on that same area um, was a state-of-the-art indoor and outdoor film facility. Um, at the top of the mountain. Yeah, at the top of the mountain. It was dope. Interesting. Like, by today's standards, it sure. was dope. Like he had cutting edge, huh? Yeah, he had just like great outdoor sets, great indoor sets, and yeah, a fucking like swimming pool at the top. Wow. Uh, suspended control room, jacuzzi. You know, it was like I don't know. Maybe it was just a fucking hangout spot for you know <laughs> for Don Lee's son looking yeah. back on it. But they, he did, I guess they did make a lot of um, uh, films and stuff there and out of that. Uh, transmitting tower um, which if you think about it because this was the tallest transmitting tower he built that so this all of his investment into this transmission technology would be worthwhile so if you think about that because he created that this became the center of entertainment the entertainment industry because of that interesting you know because if you were in that area you would get that transmission sure. you know and then later on you know of course they're able to extend broadcasts and stuff like that the right. whole world can so see. he kind of pioneered the whole television totally thing. i mean definitely you know if, if you think about it um so yeah i'm gonna pass pass it off over to jameson we're gonna talk about uh peg ant whistle well peg peg ant whistle however you want to call her name lillian Millicent. And whistle, whatever. Oh yeah, sorry. That's Mul multiple names. Her original name, sorry. Um, I jumped the gun. Basically famous f uh, for the fact that she's regarded as the only person that's ever uh, committed suicide using the Hollywood sign that you were speaking of earlier um, uh, to use it in the attempt or to uh, help facilitate her her dying. Unfortunately, uh, it did not do a very good job in that. She uh, she uh, suffered pretty badly when she landed and uh, didn't die immediately, but. Let's go into a little bit of history about uh, about Peg Entwistle. Um, she was born in uh, February 5th, 1908. And uh, she actually wasn't born in the United States. She was born in uh, Wales, which is an island just off of the coast of uh, England. And uh, her she seemed to be an only child. I believe she was an only child of those two parents, but she did have some stepbrothers uh, as well. Uh, what happened to her mother uh, is not really clearly known. Um, they think that she might have died after Peg was born. Um, but there's no official paperwork or anything about her mom passing on. Uh, but her father was involved in, in um, acting, and he moved with uh, Peg to the United States uh, when she was a young child. <coughs> she um, uh, kind of moved, they said that she might have moved around to different cities like Ohio and whatnot, but basically she ended up in New York with her father um, and watched her father 
doing Broadway shows and acting, and so that kind of gave her the uh, the bug. Um, the reason her, she went with the name Peg is that she actually saw um, a uh, a play called Peg Oh My Heart, uh, and she decided that uh, she wanted to change her name from from uh, Lillian to Peg uh, after seeing that show. Uh, really inspired her, I guess. Um, Check that out. Yeah. So. Uh, Fish, uh, play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it might be on uh, Netflix, so you can check oh, it out. Sweet. Peg on my heart. Uh, I don't know what the play was about, but uh, apparently it really struck a nerve with her, and she decided to uh, take up acting. So uh, she got involved in New York Broadway. Uh, she met um, her husband and got married. Um, the husband was not uh, her. Her relationship with the husband was very volatile. Uh, I believe uh, he was uh, accused of uh, beating her and whatnot, um, and it caused a lot of. Um, Negative press, if you will, a lot of bad uh, karma. Sorry, let's just say negative press. But uh, the the um, commission that ran all the Broadway shows uh, didn't like it, and so they kind of forced Peg out. Oh, um, they, they were not they were not happy with it, all the muck that she was kind of raking up by this by this ugly divorce that she was having through her husband, and so she was kind of blacklisted in a way from from Broadway in New York. Um, and around that same time, her father was actually killed in a hit and run in New York. Um, and because of that, um, she was forced to kind of leave the New York area and go live with, um, her, uh, uncle who lived in Hollywood. Um, so she moved out to California with her uncle, to, uh, to her uncle, uh, stayed with him, um, and got into doing Broadway shows, uh, here. She performed at the, uh, Belasco Theater, uh, with, uh, I believe it was Humphrey Bogart, um, and another actress, and, uh, she got rave reviews for it. The play did very well, um... By the way, I might, I'd like to say uh, she, did, um, she did such a good job that she actually inspired a pretty famous actress. Uh, Betty Davis uh, was in the crowd uh, watching her do a performance. Um, I heard of this. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she, apparently Betty Davis was so enthralled by her performance that that inspired her to become an actress and uh, to become one of the bigger uh, actresses of her day. So uh, it is a well-known fact that um, she um, acknowledged <clears throat> Excuse me. I acknowledge Peg and Whistle as uh, uh, her inspiration, if you will. So mm. kind of fun, no? Um, but uh, she was basically doing Broadway from about 1925 to the early 30s. Uh, she moved out to, Cal to California in, in uh, early 1932, maybe late 1931. Uh, did the show at the Belasco, and then finally landed a role. Um, uh, she. Landed a movie called Thirteen Women, um, which was an RKO picture uh, directed by T David Selznick, and um, it was a uh, it was kind of a tawdry play. Um, I think there was a lot of things that were, uh, it was based off of a book, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, there was a lot of um, sex and stuff in the in the movie. And so when the censors got to the actual film itself, they just they ripped the movie apart. There was a lot of things that they had to take out that they didn't want to leave in there. And so because of the censors, uh, Peg's role basically was cut down to, to about an eight-second scene, I believe, something like that. It was, yeah. you know, when she went from a major part to, to nothing, basically. She was like 
Jared Leto and Suicide Squad. Basically, yes. Yeah. That's Luckily, she didn't send any dead rats to her co-stars or bullets or anything like that. <laughs> so that's good. She did have that going for her. So maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe it's because she didn't do that she got cut from. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? maybe. I mean, you really got to be part of the cast. You got to you gotta show them that you want the film. Exactly. You want, you want the part, you know? You don't get rats. So, head back here's to some New bullets. Here's some dead rats. So enjoy, everybody. Craft Services is over there. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, so she she gets the part, she gets the role, she's excited. They uh, they they end up cutting her from the film, um, and then RKO Pictures didn't renew her contract either. Um, they they dropped it um, because of how she did in the picture. Or? It wasn't that. I think they just kind of didn't really have anything to do with her, and there wasn't you know there wasn't any parts coming around for us, so they just didn't renew her, their contract after the film was made. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much. Um, let's say pride they had in the film because they didn't really seem to fight very much for it. The movie's only like an hour and 10 minutes long. So I think it was really edited and cut up pretty drastically. Damn. So it, it really, uh, it, it came out to tepid reviews. Nobody really kind of was like it. I think it was kind of like a pulp fiction type novel. Uh, and so I think it was just kind of a throwaway movie. It wasn't really, um, you know, all the juicy stuff was left in the book and because they had to cut all that out. I think the, the movie kind of fell flat. It was kind of like a perfect storm of things. It seems uh, the you know her getting cut from the role, um, uh, them not renewing her contract. At the same time, she hears that her ex-husband is remarried and he's getting a resurgence in his career. So now he's landing roles that you know. So I think it was just kind of this perfect storm of of jealousy and and failure and whatnot um, that really prompted her to uh, to want to take her own life. Um, I'll, I, a couple stories I read that <clears throat> said that she was very that she got pretty drunk. Uh, the night that she killed herself, um, she was at her uncle's house who he lived on Beechwood drive, which is very close to the sign, uh, which may have something to do with why she chose that, that exact spot. Um, you know, I, she did leave a suicide note, but it didn't go into any major details. You know, it didn't explain why, uh, you know, why she chose that spot or, you know, how, why she was just, just despondent. I mean, basically the note, um, read, uh, I'm afraid. I'm a coward. I am sorry for everything. And if I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. Uh, signed P.E. So you're, you're kind of getting a generic note saying, I'm just not happy and I feel like I, I, you know, I failed. And again, with no more information than that, you kind of have to make up your own assumptions as to why she would want right. to kill herself. So, um, so she got herself good and drunk and... And told her uncle a story that she was going out with her, her friends or something and uh, and she walked up to the uh, sign in the middle of the night and uh, when she got there um, they, there was a ladder behind the letter H that she was able to climb up to the top of and as you were saying earlier those letters were about 45 feet tall so I'm guessing you got another probably 5 to 10 feet below the sign because it's on such a steep cliff mm. uh, and she threw herself from that and um, when she landed uh, it appears that her, her femur uh, was smashed or pulverized, if you will, and uh, uh, it didn't kill her. The fall didn't kill her, but she actually um, died uh, about a day later or so. Uh, and she wasn't discovered for a few days. It was a hiker that was up there walking around, and um, she discovered a, a purse um, and a, a, a shoe, and then she found the note inside the purse, and then she found Peg. So, you know, by the time they got up there and, and everything and got her down, she, she had passed away. But I, I don't believe that the, the fall did kill her. You know, 45 feet is, is, is high, but not, 
necessarily high enough to yeah. kill you. Yeah. Uh, especially because yeah. you're not landing flat on the ground. It's on a side of a cliff. So. And, and this may sound weird, but just the fact knowing that she was drunk. Like, have you ever known somebody that's gotten in like a car accident or something, and they were like asleep? You know, yeah. like in the back seat, and they didn't get hurt. Cause, sure, they're so lucid. You or, know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. they were just kind of out of it. I kind of, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you that could know, be maybe it. That was a little bit of it. I mean, you're you're taking a painkiller before you go try and kill yourself. So, you know what I mean? Is like when, when I think about it. Yeah. Also, it's weird that they found her shoe in her purse, and then like, yeah, it's still attached to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, any money in here? Oh my God! There's a fucking body. Yeah, you know? I don't. That's I, crazy. And then was she still alive when the jogger found her? That's I right. Mean, yeah. There's a lot of um, interesting questions that come from it because uh, they, you know, again, there's it, there's not a lot of details out there to kind of explain right after she jumped what happened. Did she lay there for you know for a day, two days? It, it really doesn't kind of clarify specifically how long she did lay there, but um, it's definitely known that she didn't die on impact. It the impact did not kill her, um, and they were saying that at the, you know in, in the infection from the from the the femur smashing could have been part of what you know basically ended her life crazy um but uh but yeah i mean it's it's a sad thing um the uh press was all over the story um you know nobody had really used the sign before in that way um but they dubbed her the hollywood sign girl that was the that was the name that's her nickname the Hollywood sign girl, which is not very I don't creative. mean to be addicted. Yeah, the, the, like, <laughs> it's not creative That's at all. That's the best man. you got? Like, the press has come up with some gems, but, <laughs> you know, and ge- I say gems in a yeah, in a weird fashion, you know, but, you know, like, now, it's usually fucked up. That's but, true. That's not, but, yeah, it's like, not a BTK name. It's not a, you know, like, it's not a catchy. There's nothing catchy. You know, the Hillside that, Strangler. You know? It's not, it doesn't have a good like, certain ring to it. Whoever found that first was, he was just too excited about it and just didn't go with a good Well. You know, also, you got to think back then that this is back in the time when the newspapers are coming out anywhere from two to three times a day, and you have to that's jump on a story. So it's like you're rushing to get a story out. Right, yeah. Whether it's right or wrong. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. You're just trying to be the first one. Like, uh, yeah. The Hollywood sign girl. You got to get the scoop. Get yeah, the scoop on that kid. Yeah, I got I'm have sure it. he's just like, are you sure? <laughs> Hollywood sign girl. Run with it. Run, Run page news. Sounds great. That's like way too many syllables. It just doesn't flow at all. <laughs> so that was the nickname that she got. Um, she uh, she was buried. Uh, funny enough, I live in Glendale, California. She was born in Glendale, Ohio. She was buried. So back in Ohio, um, I believe. Probably related. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> she had a family. So don't go looking for her grave in Glendale, California. That you will not find it. Um, but uh, yeah, so she was buried down there, and um, you know, it was a sad thing. Uh, uh, there are rumors that she received a letter a day or two in the mail uh, after she passed away uh, saying that RKO Pictures had uh, found another uh, movie for her to be in or that she had played a role in another, um, like in a stage show of some kind and that uh, she could possibly be uh, the main character in that. So uh, there there was uh, some rumors about a light at the end of the tunnel had she not killed herself that, you know, her career could have had a second resurgence or whatever. But uh, that's not ever been proven i believe I yeah that's kind of a, I, I, there, a there's the letter the phone call the yeah it's whether yeah. or not it actually happened is definitely hearsay but you yeah. but it's a trip to think about you know, like, so yeah i mean that would have been obviously ironic had she died right, right, lands, yeah, yeah. lands the biggest role of her life two days after she killed herself in the uh, play called the biggest role of your life <laughs> <laughs> it's about it was written by a guy who came up with the name uh <laughs> the hollywood girl the hollywood sign girl <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Same author, same writer. He's <laughs> very, uh, very clever. Um, but we, but we, you know, <clears throat> this whole thing is about uh, 
uh, us running a ghost tour. And, uh, and we'd like to talk about the Hollywood sign because, of course, it's such an iconic uh, thing for people. People come out, you know, all around the world to see that sign, to take photos with it, to, to climb up to it, to hike it, uh, to get as close to it as they possibly can. And uh, she was she was kind of um, the first person to, 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 like I said, the first and only person really to, to ever physically jump off of it, kill themselves using the sign itself as, as a, a means to an end. Um, but a lot of, uh, a lot of stories have come around the fact that, that people that are hiking in that area still see peg from time to time. Um, this kind of, this story didn't really happen until the sign started falling apart in the forties. And from what I understand, the, the letter H fell down, uh, which is obviously the letter that she jumped off of. And so when that fell down and collapsed, there was a lot of rumors saying, Oh, did you, did you know that the sign is haunted? And that's why. Uh, because she jumped off the H, and that's what made it fall down. Even the letter's so, trying to kill itself. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I heard in actually another movie, uh, I think it's like uh, Percy Jackson or something like that, that they use the letter <laughs> H as the gate to I hell or something that. like that. Yeah, I saw that, so, and I was like, ooh, shit, that's fucking so, accurate. I guess, uh, I guess the letter <laughs> H is very notorious yeah, for uh, being an evil thing in the, the city of Hollywood. So, um, But yeah, so uh, when the sign fell, the rumor started around that, that she was haunting the area. Um, uh, hikers have seen her from time to time, uh, usually around dusk, but a lot of the, um, park rangers, uh, claim to see her on foggy nights. Mm -hmm. Now I think that that's convenient that you see a ghost only when it's foggy. Uh, you know right. what I mean? Like, Is that like well, that's convenient when, when ghosts want to come out, you know, like, oh, it's such a nice foggy <laughs> afternoon. Of course, right? I'm seeing swirls of, you know, things that look like ghosts cause it's foggy outside, you know? So it looks like a lake of ghosts. Though. Yeah, pretty much. So I thought that was a little bit too convenient. However, there is a, a very, uh, um, well-known story of a couple that was hiking, uh, along the trail in the early nineties, uh, that, uh, came upon a woman, uh, dressed in, in that time period's clothing, uh, walking around looking dazed, uh, just kind of out of it. And uh, when they were kind of approaching her, she just she just vanished in front of them, okay. uh, and that really freaked them out. But they they did clearly see this woman in 1930s clothing, again wandering around, looking like she's confused. Um, it was around dusk. I don't think it was too dark per se. I mean, you're not really supposed to be up there at nighttime, uh, nightfall, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they clearly saw her, and then she just like I said vanished. So they, that really got a lot of press because of that story. Um, they were the only people that were like specifically talking about seeing that um i did get another story of three friends that were hiking up to the sign and said same thing that they uh saw this woman that looked like this uh having this nice clothing blonde hair um but uh, again looking confused looking dazed uh but the, the the funny part that seems to accompany all the stories is that they get this smell of gardenia uh which is apparently a, a, a perfume that she was very well known to wear uh, uh, when she was alive. So, uh, that would be odd. Their gardenias don't grow up in that area. So that would be interesting that if you were to smell that, where would that smell be coming from? Right. Yeah. So, um, those seem to be the stories that come out of that area, uh, basically around the base of the sign or in that area along the trail, uh, that she's usually seen. So, um, again, if you're going on a, maybe a foggier night or when there's a little bit heavier mist in the air, that's probably your best time to, to try and see Peg. It's usually when I go out. Who <laughs> doesn't want to go hiking in the mist? <laughs> uh, well, so, just to jump on the end of that, I'm going to uh, kind of say where where the Hollywood sign or Hollywood kind of went up, you know, from then until now. But we'll definitely jump back into some ghost stories. Sure, and I got some. Uh, uh, like I said, I got some stories about a Griffith, Griffith as well. Park. That's right. Yeah. So 
Please. Um, so yeah, the Peg just ruined the Hollywood sign, but no. <laughs> um, so yeah, tragedy. You know, it's not not fun. Um, but um, I mean, Hollywood was kind of uh, in for it. Um, in the nineteen sixties, uh, porn arrived basically. Um, and God bless it. I mean, it was you know good for porn. Because the movie industry, I mean, the industry itself was just in the shit. Mm. Not in the shit necessarily, but like Hollywood itself was just not good. It was just mostly uh, people were realizing they could film other places and get tax rebates and stuff like that or tax cuts. So what was it the mecca for filmmaking that it was in the 30s and 40s? Well, there was, because, um, I mean, some people blame it on porn, you know, but I feel that porn blossomed in a industryless city you know because it it had focused so much on movie and film and television you know that i feel like a lot of people just got kind of lazy with it you know i mean all right <laughs> um but no so yeah porn arrived but yeah a lot of people blame that as like ruining the industry but most it's also a thought that because the industry wasn't doing good porn decided to blossom because they had film crews to work with that weren't working you know they okay. basically created this industry you know that we know and love today well now i gotta go back and watch boogie nights and see what happened right yeah that's <laughs> that's why i watch it for the <laughs> historical references um but yeah it i mean it brought in you know, porn massage parlors porn shows adult bookstores but mostly it brought in tons of drugs uh drugs was uh, that that kind of is known for ruining Hollywood a little bit was, you know, just tons of people doing drugs and not doing anything else. Well, I mean, I think the city was always debaucherous anyways. It's just, it, it, it phased from, let's say sex and drinking to hardcore drugs and partying. So, exactly. You know, yeah. You've always had your and, bad stuff. Sixties were kind of, you know, the generation of the hippies and this, mm-hmm. this time of love, but also the time of racism and segregation still. You know, so it doesn't really make sense. God, I keep trying to scroll my notebook. Um, so we're going to fast forward a little bit to the 70s. Um, the L.A. Cultural Heritage Board uh, gives the Hollywood sign landmark status. And the ceremony is hosted by silent film star Gloria Swanson. Really? Silent film star. You know what I mean? In 1970? Um, that That's... That's... Apparently, yes. That could be because she was so original, I guess. Now, let me stop me if I'm incorrect on this, but we were talking about 1949, the sign falls down, the letter H falls down. So now the impression that I got is that the city of Los Angeles is like, well, this this sign is falling apart. It's now, you know, almost 25 years later that this housing development has been, you know, has been developed. It's long gone now or it's there's it's no longer new. Mm-hmm. Let's tear the sign down. And then Hollywood asks to keep the, the sign itself. Is that correct? Um, I think I get to that. One second. Sorry to jump the gun here. Yeah, you gun jumper. Because you're in the 70s now, so I want to make sure. Because I think this well, is 1949 that they dropped, that's when they dropped the land off of Hollywood land, correct? Yeah. I mean, when they, when it was, they dropped the land off in the 40s, um, because of the age, basically. Right. Um, and then they, they, the whole sign is new. Right. They replace um, all the letters. They, they drop the, the land. They take the light bulbs off as well, correct? Exactly, so yeah. 1949 is when the last time it was lit up. The sign lit was up, completely yeah, lit exactly, up. Yeah. So now you have the city paying for it or the city, uh, let's say, supporting the sign. And now it just reads Hollywood 
Boom. Just, just no lights. No lights. Brand it's, new sign, but no more Hollywood land. It's dark at night. Yeah. Dark at night. All right. Um, so stop asking it why the sign isn't lit up, people. It right, hasn't happened yeah, exactly. in 75 years. God. It's not coming back. <laughs> it's not coming back. <laughs> um, so they actually thought that uh, the whole ceremony was kind of... It was a weird ceremony. I mean, it's, it's already hosted by a silent film star, um, which Very I thought was fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's um, a little weird. But a thick fog remains at the event. Um, Interesting. But apparently it just, it was super thick. Like you could barely see, you know, any, you know, three feet in front of you. So, so they were doing the ceremony in front of the sign kind of thing? In front of the sign. Okay. Yeah. So they're way up in the mountains um, now. Which point. is the hilarious, you know. Um, so this ceremony happens, but yeah, nobody can really see it. So it's over and done with very quickly. <laughs> I wonder if the silent film star was like miming everything. Like, is she's up there or not? being able to talk and it just had this like piano play and, right. and then somebody coming by with some cue cards every now and then that's hilarious um so hollywood 1975 is visited by john paul ii um so yeah the save the peak campaign happens because the hollywood sign is in total shit um it looks bad so everybody's like also this is late 70s, yeah? This is, yeah, uh, 75. 75, okay. Um, and it costs about $12.5 million, and each signed letter was auctioned off for $27,700. Hugh Hefner uh, started the uh, Save the Peak sign. Um, okay, so he was, started the campaign to kind he of... Started the, he started the campaign. Uh, Save the sign, man! Purchased the land, I guess, technically, back when. Um, but Hugh Hefner started with a $1 million donation, and then the sign letters were auctioned off for 27000 Uh The letter H was purchased by Terrence Donnelly, who was a newspaper publisher. The O was Alice Cooper. Uh, legendary rock star. Classic. The L was Les Kelly, who is the creator of Kelly Blue Book. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I also heard that he, uh, um, Alice Cooper, purchased a letter for a friend of his, oh, really? and that friend was Groucho Marx. Oh, I don't see that. So I read that I read that he per- <laughs> they were, they were friends. Go figure that Groucho Marx and and uh, uh, Alice Cooper are good friends, but apparently he bought it in his name. So, so he gave the O to Groucho Marx. I guess he crazy. He purchased one and or one of the L's and you know gave the other one to Groucho or something like that. Yeah, I don't see that here. I think that might just be a rumor. They <laughs> <laughs> um, have a friend. So one L was for Kelly Blue Book. The other also this was just the original people that um, um, had purchased. All right. Um, so this you know 1970. So they, things could have changed. Um, Gene Autry was the other one. I heard about Gene Autry. L. Y was Hugh Hefner. Uh, <laughs> w was Andy Williams, amazing singer. Uh, the first O was Giovanni Mats, who of course is an Italian guy. Uh, sorry, he was a movie producer, I guess, back in the day. All Nothing right. uh, really notable. Um, and then the last O was purchased for Warner Brothers Studios, actually. Warner um, Brothers Studios, um, yeah. And then the D was Thomas Pooley. All right, so maybe I, maybe I, maybe, maybe uh, Alice maybe, purchased that letter himself and then do- donated it in his honor or something. Or like maybe that. one of his friends is, you know, maybe Giovanni Mazzi. Maybe. Thomas Pooley. Or... 
Maybe he was good friends with Gene Autry. Who knows? <laughs> Gene Autry. Uh, which, of which there's a Gene Autry Museum in Glendale if you're ever interested in learning more about cowboy culture. I've always wanted to want to look at that. Actually. Across the street from the LA Zoo. Right, yeah. It's actually a pretty decent museum. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I give them a little plug, but uh, it's definitely a lot of um, Western history. If you're into... Uh, they have both realistic and television history. So you have your, cool. you know, you have your Lone Ranger and, uh, you know, uh, Gunsmoke and whatnot, things like that. So you have a whole section of, of that. And then you have your real Westerns where you have real weapons, you have real stagecoaches, uh, saddles, uh, Native American things. So there's a lot of um, cool Western history from this area That's all cool. in one nice, nicely made museum. The museum is very, uh, very pleasant, very nice, uh, very clean and um, well-organized. And especially if you're if you're into guns, old old Colts and weapons from mm. the late 1800s, early 1900s, they yeah, have a lot to... of weapons there. A lot of weapons, a lot of scabbard uh, swords and scabbards, uh, and uh, even an old um, like a machine gun, uh, oh, Gatling machine dope. gun. So yeah, they have a lot of weapons there. Yeah, Very right. interesting. So if you're into that scene, I uh, I would say go to the uh, Autry Museum and check it out. Hmm. So, that reminds me of, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when we used to do tours through the Pig and Whistle, uh, I used to, I know both the the guy that runs the back room and the mic that runs the front, but the dude in the back, he, he was telling me um, that the ghost that was seen there a lot was a cowboy, mm-hmm. and that he believed it was Wyatt Earp, because mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp apparently came to Hollywood and was a consultant for Western films. Oh. Um, that I mean, that's I have not researched that. Yeah, at all, you know, personally. I don't stand behind that story. But but also like this, I mean, he's he's been around for a long time. You know, the uh, Mike telling me the story. So, you know, I, he he's no reason to lie to me. You know, sure. Whatever, but also, I was like, oh, that kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, very cool. I mean, John Wayne didn't pick it up anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what's uh, what's up with Griffith Park? Yeah, Griffith Park. Um, Griffith Park, for those of you who don't know, is a very large uh, park in the se- basically in the center of Hollywood, kind of um, cutting the city in half, if you will, by this large mountain. Um, again, we were talking about Mount Lee, and I believe Mount Lee is kind of maybe considered part of Griffith Park, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if it, it falls under entirely under that jurisdiction. Griffith Park or not. is so huge; I had no idea. It's very massive. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're into television and whatnot, many, many shows have been filmed there, uh, and uh, many famous structures are there. You have the Griffith Observatory, you have the Greek music, the Greek Theater. Um, you know, you have a lot of uh, major establishments that are on this. Uh, the The Griffith Observatory has uh, uh, been there uh, for a very long time. Um, uh, a little bit of history about the park is that um, uh, uh, it was owned by um, a Mexican rancher. Um, his uh, shoot, his his name was Don Don Antonio Feliz, uh, and he owned the land. Uh, and uh, as he was getting on an age, um, he was starting to uh, uh, get very sick, and um, he needed to start to write out a will. And as the story goes, um, he had a niece uh, whose name was uh, Petronia. Petronia, I don't know, very interesting name from back then, but uh, Petronia um, basically felt that she laid claim to the, to the land, that she should be next in line, 
Um, but apparently when the lawyer and another person were there writing up the papers to uh, Don Feliz, uh, who was very ill at the time, the story goes is that there was a stick behind his arm kind of having him write... <laughs> And they were making him write out the land to somebody else. And so uh, as the papers were signed off, uh, they, the land was given away to, uh, uh, you know, one of his one of his men or something. And he was able to kind of con the land out of the uh, people. I mean, if you can write in someone else's handwriting using a stick. <laughs> kind of controlling his hand. You kind you know? of deserve the land. Yeah. You know? Just, I mean, you're a magician. At that Smart point. guy, you know. That's amazing. He's kind of using him as a ventriloquist or something. This guy. Yeah, he also did a song and dance. Didn't expect that. He said he was. I guess that's how you finalize a contract. I guess so. So that kind of thing flew back in the late 1800s. There. But she she cursed it. She 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 said that she put a curse. She put a curse on all the land, and of course, you know, making sure that you know she was not happy that she was getting screwed out of her out of uh, what should rightfully be hers. So she put a curse on the land. Uh, the guy who signed it, um, or who was given the land, uh, quickly sold the land to the other gentleman that was there. Uh, and that guy was killed uh, soon after that. He died in, um, he died of some causes. I forget what it was. What, uh, what time period is this? This is like late 1800s. Late, like, okay. like 1870, so like, right. 1880. Okay. Crazy. Um, he gets the land. Uh, and then that, when he dies, uh, uh, a gentleman named Griffith J. Griffith uh, gets the land, and um, he he buys up all this land, and he decides that he's going to donate um, this chunk of land now known uh, as Griffith Park. Uh, he's going to donate this land as a Christmas present to the city. So this is about eighteen ninety or so. This swell guy. So he donates all this big chunk of land to the uh, city, and uh, a couple of other you know. Um, uh, uh, Disasters, if you will, happen. Um, uh, so there's actually a plaque on one of the trails, if you read it, uh, that kind of commemorate these men. Um, there was a, uh, a, a bunch of um, men that were in the fields, kind of clearing the fields, and uh, a fire started. And uh, these guys kind of went to try and get the fire to try to put the fire out, and they died. So there was uh, a good quantity, I think about 20 to 30 people died um, in this fire. Uh, and so there is a plaque on the way up to, uh, if you decide to hike up to the Hollywood sign that was, I believe recently just put in there oh, to kind of commemorate their, their lives. Um, so yeah, so a lot of people feel that the park is cursed. Um, uh, they, they've, uh, they've seen, you know, there's, there's been sightings of ghosts, but, uh, it's funny. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the, um, park rangers, if you will, have said that they, that they feel that the, the ghost stories are, are nothing compared to what really happens in real life there. I mean, I say in real life, but they say, you know, you, you guys do not even believe half the stuff that we find in this park. We find, you know, animal sacrifices and satanic rituals and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, we come up across this stuff all the time. And it's way scarier and freakier than a supposed ghost story that happened. I mean, that's how I always feel. Like, that's <laughs> why I'm not a big fan of ghost hunting because they're constantly going into places that, like, if I was, like, homeless or fucking just high on something and I couldn't be in a house you know like I might go into some of these places because I know no one else is going to be there sure I'm not going to walk into somewhere and be like you know like oh, I'm going to get an EVP and like oh fuck this dude stabs me you know I'm invading his space yeah no, I'm not doing that no. yeah well well there's not I don't think there's a unfortunately that cool of a story for Griffith Park but uh I do have one more quick story that I thought was kind of funny um and that is uh the the the, the man that was so generous in giving us this land um was uh 
Oh man, what's the term I'm thinking of? Well, anyways, he he was a sober guy. Supposedly, he would practice. Um, I forget a teetotaler. That's the term. A teetotaler is somebody who refrains from any kind of uh, alcohol. Uh, you don't drink any kind of spirits or anything like that. And um, that was a term that he would use. That he was a teetotaler. However, like like, <clears throat> like you're toting a tea drink. Is I that, guess is that? maybe okay. you use tea instead of oh, alcohol. Okay. You know, okay. uh, you would be drinking tea all the time. If you're at a party or yeah, whatever. That makes sense. Like, I see a lot of alcoholics doing that with, like, lemonade and stuff. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, so that was a term, at least back then, that for somebody that was, I don't want to say straight edge, but, you know. Straight edge. Somebody who didn't. Because straight edge, that's, they that's don't smoke cigarettes. They don't do anything. There's no substance that goes into your body. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to a teetotaler, maybe just doesn't drink alcohol, but maybe they smoke cigars or something like that. So. I mean, what's better with tea? Than with straight. Nice Crumpets? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so roll up this tea thing. Yes, you know, well, maybe that's what smoking tea is all about. Uh, but yeah, he uh, so he donated this land. Um, was you know was a, a hero to the people of Los Angeles, but um, he was not a very nice person to his wife. Uh, uh, apparently, and uh, this is about about ten to twelve years after he's donated this land. Uh, but uh, his wife uh, uh, and him decide to take a uh, you know kind of a day vacation down to I believe it was in Santa Monica that he was in the hotel, uh, and uh, they get in an argument, and he is. Uh, completely drunk, annihilated drunk, and he uh, starts to accuse his wife of infidelity. And uh, he insists that she admit to him that she's cheating on him and uh, tells her to get on her knees, uh, which she does, and he uh, then pulls a gun out and shoots her in the face. Now, when he did this, he shoots her in the face. She doesn't die. Um, she does receive a wound from it. She, uh, From the story I read, she fell out of... Uh, she staggered backwards and fell out of a window, falling onto... Um, like a, a, a ledge below and it rolls off the ledge uh, and, and survived. Um, he's arrested and goes to jail for attempted murder. Um, but I believe he only did about 10 years or so. Uh, and she survived, uh, but she was horribly disfigured because of this. Uh, and, uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, maybe not the greatest guy, but yeah, I, I got out of jail and basically just kind of lived the rest of his life. He died soon after that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, the guy gets a park Gets a statue, gets a the observatory where so many people are taking their dates. Yes, yes. So the the guy we did all this wonderful stuff for shot his wife in the face. So good times on that one. Uh, she didn't die. She's, she's horribly die. disfigured. Yes. Uh, he gave the money to the uh, when he died. All of the money that he had went to the observatory to be mm-hmm. built. So basically, all the observatory and the park and everything are because of this wonderful. Wonderful man. I mean, at least he died. That's <laughs> true. He did die. As do we all. And gave us his money. And apparently he's not haunting the area too much. For those of you that do want to take the walk up to the Hollywood sign that do, uh, or that are interested in seeing uh, possibly ghosts or whatever, this isn't necessarily a ghost story. However, it is a, kind of an unsettling story. Uh, a, a, a woman was walking with her dog uh, and found um, uh, a severed head had been placed up there on a trail. Uh, They found this head. um, They called the police and they investigated. They found um, soon thereafter uh, feet and hands uh, buried in a shallow hole uh, close by. Um, It appeared that uh, they had all been wrapped in a bag uh, and they were thinking that maybe possibly some animals had kind of scratched them up and that's why the head was found. Um, But they did some research. Uh, They arrested a man um, uh, who was basically found... uh, he was a 38-year-old man, and apparently he was um, living with a, uh, a 66-year-old roommate who uh, ended up being his boyfriend. And uh, they had an argument, and he 
uh, strangled him, uh, and then um, dismembered the body and uh, put brought the the body parts up to the uh, Hollywood Hills there to uh, up to the Hollywood sign area and disposed of those those parts up there. Yeah. Um, they did. This is in two thousand. The body of the body. Sorry, the head, the hands, and the feet were found in two thousand twelve. Uh, he was convicted in 2015, um, and uh, apparently, uh, when they were, you know, trying to find uh, or gather evidence on him, uh, when they found his computer, uh, they found a search uh, that he had searched up quote how to eat a human carcass on the internet. Uh, so he ate the torso and all. Oh, yeah, that's that's implied, yeah. never proven, but both the hands, the feet, and the head were found, and I don't believe anything else was. So, unfortunately... Well, yeah, uh, there isn't much meat on the hands. It's true. Feet, so that's true. I guess that makes sense. You want to eat Damn, the good stuff. Up, Go for the ass first. Yeah, that's the best part. But yeah, so uh, so yeah, a couple of body parts found up in the uh, up in the uh, woods there. So, Damn, um, be careful what 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 you're kicking around up there. It could be a uh, somebody's head. It's crazy, and 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 it's funny. I read uh, sorry the I read that uh, they were talking about the security up there, and they the the article at the Hollywood Sign org says that it's more secure than Fort Knox, and that there is yeah. That there's 75 cameras and some ungodly amount of sensors. Oh, I see. Stuff. I see. On and the sign like, itself? And Yeah. Okay. But I still think that's bullshit. I mean, I can see a lot of cameras. I mean, there is a <laughs> like, lot of, like you were saying earlier, there's all those radio antennas and, and things like that. And that's mm-hmm. literally like, you know, uh, uh, 50 yards from the sign. Right. So yeah. I could see that area being patrolled at least... I can see it being patrolled, you know. But let's like, go out with Fort Knox now. I think that's a little. Uh... <laughs> There's not fucking gold up there. Like, come on, man. Like, and the, yeah, I was just like, I think that might be the Hollywood sign dot org being like, mm. please don't come to the Hollywood. <laughs> please don't fuck it up. This is what our website is based on. If you take it down, it'll be gone. Yes, cameras. Well, I did. I forgot to mention. I don't. Know, did I not fucking even get there? That uh, it was. It was changed to Hollyweed for a while. Hollyweed, sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the prank in twenty was it twenty sixteen? No, it was done in the sixties too. I guess. Get out. Yeah, and that's apparently that's why they did it. Was to do as like an homage. Ah, yeah. so somebody put Hollywood. Oh, no, sorry, early seventies maybe. Really? Like, I didn't, I but somebody totally put up Hollywood on the sign prior yeah, to yeah. the. Yeah, and they'd just done the black cloth like the other people had done it, you know. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, they they done that as like a. Oh, I wonder if it was the same date. I'll have to look that Interesting. up. Interesting. Homework for the listeners. <laughs> was it on April twentieth? <laughs> it better be. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, man. All right. So that is our first Hollywood's Haunted Podcast. If you're interested in more, hit that subscribe button if there is one. If not, I can always edit that out. Um, And make sure and share because sharing is caring. So is scaring. (laughs) Sharing is caring. So is scaring. That's pretty good. That'd be our tagline. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I hope you guys learned uh, some fun facts about Hollywood, especially if you uh, live out here. And uh, learn some new stories and tell your friends and family. Well, and that's another thing. Uh, if you want to check out more stuff on Hollywood's Haunted tours, go to hollywoodshaunted.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're signing off. We will see you next time. Bye, guys. Hollywood's <laughs>